I believe in my IE bio cooking and also believe that uh, there is one big run coming uh, for gold mining stocks where gold rises into uh, 2024 and possibly into 2025. Hello and a warm welcome to another episode of What's Not Priced In. As you can see, we've changed things up a little bit here again. A few weeks ago, we had the pleasure to talk to Callum Newman, our small caps expert. And this week, we're going to talk about everything gold with our gold extraordinaire, gold expert, Brian Chu. Brian, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Kirill. Glad to be here. And I enjoy, I look forward to actually this chat because uh, I think you've caught it at a good time with uh, what's happened with gold overnight uh, from the Federal Reserve deciding to uh, keep interest rates steady and the market expecting that um, there could be three rate cuts happening in 2024. Yeah, well, we've got a lot to get through. I sent you some notes beforehand. It was quite comprehensive. So in in that spirit, to, to, to save up as much time as we can with you, I thought maybe you can just briefly introduce yourself and tell, tell the viewers why you are so interested in gold and, and your gold story. Yeah, so some of you may have actually heard my story um, if, you're, if you've been signed on to our um, services in the past two years. Uh, those who are new, uh, just for benefits, um, I started uh, in my gold journey in about 2013 uh, because I had a, um, I experienced the massive drop in the price of gold in uh, April 2013 when it fell about 200 US dollars. Uh, in the space of uh, a fortnight. Now, previously, I had been a thematic investor and I was focused on the, the big rebuilding of uh, society after supply crisis. I had a little bit of gold stocks on the side and as uh, gold hit the records in 20, uh, 2011, I started adding a bit more gold stocks but uh, didn't really understand um, why at that point in time. But in 2013, I woke up to it. My primary school friend and I had lunch the weekend after gold fell off the bed, fell out of the bed, and he explained to me about um, the the truth behind the financial system, the fiat currency, and how that's used to uh, manipulate the markets in a way to drive certain narratives. And being the uh, being, being a person who sees what is right and what is true, I finally found uh, the truth in gold. I realized that. Uh, that is the original money, and uh, I decided to uh, put much of my wealth, much of my family's wealth, into uh, gold, and also to multiply my gains in gold, I went for gold mining companies. Now, as I say this, um, the fact that I uh, put in quite a bit of my family's wealth into uh, gold and gold mining stocks, just a reminder for uh, this not financial advice, and also it is a very risky type of move, uh, almost foolhardy to some people, uh, but that's the way it worked for me, and I hope that uh, it can continue. Um, yep. Yeah, so uh, probably can talk more about that um, as as we delve in. Yeah, and yeah, well, I'm just looking at the notes. So much to talk about. So hmm. maybe uh, obviously gold has had a, a strong year in 2023. So I thought we could maybe start there. And I guess a lot of investors who may not necessarily be interested in gold and obviously investors who are interested in gold are probably wondering, you know, why has the gold price um, moved so high this year? So maybe you can explain to us exactly 
why gold was so strong this year and maybe what the key drivers were. Yep. So I'm going to share my um, share, share a screenshot for you guys on what's going on. Hopefully this one's here. You can see yep. it. Uh, the comparison between the price of gold in US dollars and also Australian um, dollar. So gold has been on a rising trend since uh, July last year in Australian dollar terms and October in US dollar terms. What happened was um, we had the massive uh, stimulus from the governments and uh, and the central and central banks around the world create a huge amount of currency in the aftermath of the um, global pandemic, which uh, caused massive caused lockdowns um, and lots of businesses had to. Uh, either close or work at uh, small and a much lower capacity to keep the economy from collapsing. Uh, governments spend trillions of dollars in in order to uh, pay households and pay small businesses uh, for the lost income from the lockdowns. That, of course, was funded by central banks, uh, and we saw the debt um, the debt load basically balloon during this period. Now the funds had to find a home. So you notice that it went to stocks, it went to bonds, it went to cryptocurrencies, and it went to, of course, uh, gold. Then in late 2021, the uh, central banks were talking about inflation and how they had to control it. That sent the price of gold down in, uh, as you've seen in uh, 2021, and also when they started raising rates in, uh, I believe it was April last year, uh, gold uh, fell significantly because as inflation went up, they raised interest rates much quicker. So a lot of the liquidity that was flowing, uh, that was sloshing around in the market went back into term deposits, went to repay loans, and um, there was much less speculative activity. Um, at the same time, you will notice that um, this, this next chart, I'm showing you the difference, uh, the movements between gold and also the U.S. long-term real yield. So what, what, what is the U.S. long-term real yield? It's the difference between the market's uh, the, the long-term interest rates of the U.S. dollar bonds. Um, about 10 to 30, between the 10 to 30 years and the expectation of uh, inflation over the long term. If the real yield goes up, it means that the US dollar at the, in, over the long term is paying you real returns above inflation. Now, when that happens, we're saying uh, the fiat currency system is able to keep inflation at bay which means gold looks less appealing. So as you see, there is a pretty much a negative relationship, almost a 100% negative relationship. If gold, go, if the real yield goes up, gold goes down. Now, in the past uh, year and a half, we saw a significant, um, actually two years, a significant increase in the real yield. That's what caused gold to fall. But in the past year, as inflation peaked, and as the interest rates started to, uh, as the Federal Reserve slowed down um, its pace in increasing interest rates, 
uh, the real yield has actually uh, eased back, uh, allowing gold to make a recovery. Now, in the middle of this year, we saw that gold actually started coming back down again because inflation, despite it slowing down, looked like it was turning around and heading up again, causing the Federal Reserve to say, maybe we might still need to increase interest rates for a bit longer. That changed in October uh, with the combination of the outbreak of the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict and the global slowdown. So we've seen the real new fall and golds move back up again. Now, this is a uh, hope this lot I just gave quite a bit of information there. Hopefully, uh, if viewers found that a bit too overwhelming, please feel free to rewind and listen to it uh, once or two more times in order to uh, ensure that uh, you, you you get all the details and the gist of it. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into the general moves in the gold price a, a bit later. But mm. now that we've sort of spoken about gold and its price movement this year, obviously you've mentioned the the latest decision from the U.S. Fed and how the the dot plot is sort of implying that a lot of the officials are seeing or predicting, mm. anticipating three to four cuts rate cuts next year uh what do you as a gold investor make of that and what will do you think will have um how will that impact the gold price going forward yeah that's a good question because um there's a difference between buying gold and investing in gold related assets i remember bill bonner in an interview i did with him uh august last year he corrected me in saying that you don't invest in gold, just as uh, no one invests in Australian dollars, US dollars, because gold is money. But you park your you park some of your wealth into gold if you believe that uh, currencies are going to lose purchasing power, or you would like uh, safety in in times of chaos and war, or massive uh, recessions and hyperinflation. Um, now, the Federal Reserve has largely kept gold in a narrow range in the past two years. Firstly, with its rhetoric on how they need to control inflation, then following it through with um, the fastest paced rate rise we've seen in the last uh, 45 years. Actually, yeah, for about, about 40 years, uh, given that they've uh, made a huge uh, rate increase in 1982 um, defeat inflation from the oil the oil boom in the 1970s and that um, recession in the early 80s. So what happened with gold was gold rose steadily as we saw before uh, in Australian dollar terms and US dollar terms, but it didn't really quite capture um, market interest because they were chasing after the um, clean energy, electrification, green agenda uh, uh, narrative. We also had a lot of uh, investors uh, go after cryptocurrencies because um, they they delivered um, millions and they, they delivered millions and billions of dollars for a lot of ordinary folks in uh, 2020 to 2021, and also re even now it's starting to pop uh, up again. Uh, going into 2024, I believe that once we see gold break its all-time records, which it did last Monday on the 4th of December, uh, but it didn't 
quite uh, old. It went up to uh, 21.30 US dollars an ounce, but dropped quickly back to 90.80 US dollars an ounce. You need to keep that. And once that happens, I believe in 2024, that could lead to uh, more people getting into gold and um, buying gold-related investments such as gold mining companies. Um, I believe that's because we've now seen the Federal Reserve uh, pretty much put off any further rate rises and now even talking of rate cuts, the market is going to position itself to benefit gold, benefit broader assets, and inflation, I think, is going to uh, come back as a talking point. So I see a very bright future for gold and gold mining companies. Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction that you made there earlier, that yeah. when we talk about gold, some people maybe assume we're just talking about gold bullion or you know the financialization of gold, but there's gold, the, the physical asset, and there's obviously gold, the gold miners, the gold stocks. Yeah. And we'll talk about gold stocks uh, a little bit later in depth um, later in the show. And yeah. we'll maybe even get some of your thoughts on some of your um, gold stocks you're sort of looking at or on your watch list. Yeah. But I did want to get maybe some, ask you some more general questions about gold because gold has been a topic of discussion for for decades and for centuries among economists and investors. Uh, and I think there's at least four arguments that have been made for gold, yeah. uh, for owning gold or investing in gold stocks. And four of them are, I'll, I'll list them, and then I'll just maybe get your thoughts on whether you agree with them or not. So yeah. I think the biggest one, uh, the biggest case advance for holding gold is that gold is an inflation hedge. Yeah. Another one is that it's a currency hedge. Another one is that it's gold is an attractive alternative to assets with low real returns. And obviously another one, especially with what's been happening this year and last year, gold is also sometimes seen as a safe haven, haven in mm. volatile times. So as a gold investor who's been following gold for, for, for decades or decade, um, yeah. do you sympathize with all four of those arguments or do you agree with one but not others? Uh, you know why does gold? Why is gold an attractive investment for you? Yeah, um, just for a bit of uh, a bit of an inside pun, uh, Kiro and I are actually quite uh, academically oriented. Uh, we we spent quite a number of years, more years than most uh, universities. And I, when uh, Kiro sent me a couple of uh, his questions, I was joking. Uh, did you used to write some economics exam papers because some of the questions he laid it out uh, almost as if they were they were they were good questions for university exams and uh, this one is one of them. So um, in the past decade, where I've looked into gold, I I came into gold believing the most popular narrative that gold is an inflation hedge and learned a lot about uh, how there is more to it than just an inflation hedge. In, when, I, when I showed you that second part of the relationship between gold and the uh, long-term real yield, we can see that um, gold actually moves in opposite directions of the real yield. And the real yield um, can actually move in a tight range for a extended time. Uh, and that actually is one thing I want people to understand is that it, gold is an inflation hedge in the long term, 
But if you buy gold to hedge against inflation in the short term, you could be in for a very rough ride because um, policymakers, as we've noticed, fly by the seats of their pants. As much as they uh, sound very intelligent in public talking about how they'll control inflation, how the economy is going, GDP, unemployment, etc., we have noticed since 2021 that they talk from both sides of their mouth and they actually don't have a very clear plan and they have to sometimes, uh, I'll almost say, um, eat their own words within a space of months. So with the long-term hedge for gold, that's true. And uh, that, mo that moves, uh, that, that leads me to the next point about gold as a currency hedge. In the short term, I believe gold makes a good currency hedge against the uh, movements of the US dollar because, um, uh, and, and not just the US dollar exchange rate between uh, Australian dollar and the US dollar, but the US dollar against the basket of currencies. So that would be the US dollar index. Now, the US dollar index can fluctuate quite significantly over, uh, over time. Because, it, because we're talking about the relative strengths of the US economy, uh, the European economy, British economy, Canada, Sweden, and uh, Switzerland. Uh, and that's actually, that's actually what uh, the US dollar uh, index represents. The US dollar index and gold have a similar relationship as a real yield. So when the when the world seeks refuge in the US dollar because of uh, certain events, I, actually, no, let me rephrase. When, the, uh, when investors seek refuge because of uh, economic problems or uh, because there's global instability, including war, they'll run to safe haven assets, which is the US dollar and, and, not just US dollar or gold, it's US dollar and gold. And then they, they weigh up whether to run for the US dollar or gold. Now, the trade-off comes down to expectations of the future, uh, future interest rates that the US dollar paid, which is represented by the real yield. So that's why um, back in 2020, gold was a better... Um, option as a safe haven because US dollar was paying almost no interest. Whereas last year and the past two years, people preferred the US dollar over gold because the US dollar was paying an increasing level of interest. So gold is a good currency hedge in the shorter term because of the relative appeal of the US dollar versus gold in periods of uncertainty. Now comes the third point, gold as a, uh, as a option to uh, producing returns against lower yielding assets such as bonds um, and perhaps um, other safe haven assets. I believe that, um, again, this depends on the prevailing interest rate and also uh, the relative risk and uncertainty in the global environment. In the current environment, as interest rates uh, have uh, gone up to current levels, which is quite high, gold is slightly less appealing, 
But because the market now expects that interest rates are going to fall, we will see that gold is going to be more appealing and will increasingly be so in, to 2024 as interest uh, as interest rates continue to fall. Um, so, in the, so again, gold as a alternative to low inch, uh, low yielding assets that depends on time. And the final one is gold as a hedge against uh, global instability. Um, many now the headlines in mainstream media and um, lots of economists will talk about how gold is a great hedge against uh, uh, thing that things bad things happening in the world when uh, we have wars, we have uh, economic collapses. My personal view is it's not a very tasteful argument for gold in that sense. I've talked about it when we had the outbreak of the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict last March and also the Israel and Palestine conflict that uh, broke out two months ago. We noticed that on both occasions gold spiked up but gave back their gains relatively quickly even as the wars have uh, continued and there is uh, further uh, fears that there could be other regional outbreaks. The reason is gold benefits more in economic uncertainty rather than um, sudden outbreaks of uh, global instability. And I prefer to uh, I prefer the narrative to be steered more towards uh, economic changes that benefit gold, lowering interest rates uh, and central bank uh, policy failures, rather than uh, existential crisis in mankind that causes people to suddenly flock to gold, but uh, that usually goes away as uh, people realize that uh, we aren't in a doomsday scenario just yet. And I certainly hope for our purpose, Kiro uh, and I, uh, uh, we're, we're relatively young still. We want the world to, to exist for a bit longer than for it to uh, collapse in a heat. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was very comprehensive and I hope uh, the viewers enjoyed it. And I think what you mentioned about the, the real yields, I think when you look at gold, you sort of assume you look at gold as jewelry or you look at gold as, you know, um, rings or maybe electronics and, mm. and you don't really tie it into wider macroeconomic factors. But at the end of the day, I think uh, the direction of the real interest rates matter a lot for gold mm. and in that way the price of gold and bets on the future direction of gold really have to involve uh, bets on where the macroeconomic uh, direction is heading so you do have to maybe follow what the Fed is doing or mm. follow where the inflation is going so it, it does en end up quite complicated and very broad in its macroeconomic scope uh, so do you find it maybe uh, overwhelming? Do you find it complicated? Do, do you enjoy sort of digging through and figuring out what, where things are headed? That's a, actually a multi-dimensional question. Uh, <laughs> in the la in the ten years that I've been in uh, in gold and studying it, uh, I, I reckon I could actually write a PhD thesis on investing in gold. In fact, uh, I'll I'll let you guys in on one thing. I am writing a book uh, on how to invest in gold uh, for the Australians uh, from an Australian perspective uh, is tentatively titled 
the ultimate uh, Australian Gold Gate Plan. Uh, and it details the evolution of my increasing understanding of gold and uh, investing in various gold mining, right, gold-related assets. And even now, I'm, I'm learning new things each time. Uh, in the beginning, I thought that gold was a good inflation hedge and gold stocks multiplied the gains in gold. It's not as simple as it is. I now realize that uh, there's a relationship between gold and the long-term real yield. Long-term real yield is driven by um, economic uh, economic policy uh, and also market expectations, and how uh, and also how gold doesn't benefit uh, in the long term because of wars. Uh, it's about economic uh, because of economic policy and what the market believes. It is overwhelming in that sense because uh, each time you think you know how everything works, you I've got all these moving parts, I've got all these charts uh, and spreadsheets of uh, information that I follow. There's always something else that will come out uh, from, the, from the left field to surprise me. And uh, sometimes it can lead to a new discovery and... Uh, a few extra thousands of dollars gained. Sometimes it's the other way around where I go, oh, well, my, my previous thesis didn't quite work out and I uh, experienced uh, some punishing gains, which I have experienced along with a lot of gold investors uh, in the last uh, year and a half. But uh, I've never stopped learning and I believe uh, even if you ask me 20 years time when my hair's, uh, when I've got much less hair and more gray and white hair, I will probably say the same thing. Yeah, and just actually on, on that. So, as as a gold investor, is your portfolio strictly in gold and gold stocks, or do you sort of hedge and diversify into other assets or other stocks or other ETFs? Yeah. So, um, disclaimer here: not financial advice, not financial uh, advice. and also uh, uh, a little bit on the little bit of talk about my own uh, what we do personally at, with our family. Um, my personal, uh, my my own brokerage account is uh, predominantly gold-related investments, uh, whereas my wife does a bit of hedging for our family and buys into the broader uh, resources sector, a bit into um, biotech, and uh, and also um, whatever is bio, whatever is uh, popular at at that point in time. Uh, she's a more steady investor than I am, and uh, I think much to our benefit because uh, being heavily weighed in on one sector, of course, to uh, most people understand that putting all your eggs in one basket is pretty dangerous, and uh, you you can actually have a wild rides. We also own a bit of precious metals, um, not stored at home, mind you, so um, don't come knocking on my door. Um, we keep it in... Uh, we also keep it in the um, deposit boxes uh, for safekeeping. Uh, that's our fundamental wealth. Uh, it is our aim in the coming years that uh, we go and buy a bit of property. We currently don't own any um, because we like to focus on precious metals and mining stocks at the moment. Uh, but yes, we are a we, we are a bit diversified, but me personally, I'm heavily invested in uh, precious metals and mining stocks because uh, I believe in 
via IEMIO cooking. And also believe that uh, there is one big run coming uh, for gold mining stocks where gold rises into uh, 2024 and possibly into 2025, uh, given that uh, we are seeing uh, the global economy uh, recognize that a recession is coming and central banks are looking to uh, cut interest rates hopefully before things start coming uh, coming down uh, in a big way. Well, actually, yeah, on that, you, you mentioned the <laughs> the word recession. So yes. obviously, I think in recent months, especially uh, markets have um, downgraded their you know expectations of recession. Obviously, uh, for a while in the first half of 2023, a lot of people were calling for a recession. Hmm. And now in the second half, um, it's sort of now being called the recession that wasn't or the, the yeah. big recession that was predicted and never never ended up happening. So yeah. um, do you think that there will be a recession, maybe say in the US or in Australia in 2024? Um, so I believe you, you did your university degree in economics or something related to it, right? Yeah, um, I'm not sure whether you've heard the joke about um, the, the famous saying, an economist is an expert who will know tomorrow why things they predicted yesterday didn't happen today. I remember reading that quote back in uh, high school, in fact, uh, in year seven, and I used to not quite understand. I just thought it was a, it was just a dig at economists. But as I spent more time, I realized uh, most economists, it, like that statement, uh, rings very true for um, not all economists, but the economists that get the um, that get to appear on TV and get the important positions in government. Um, in the assembly of fat tailors, uh, which we had earlier last month, uh, I made the joke uh, where I said that uh, it's it. We are in a recession. Everyone knows it's a recession. The last people to recognize that our politicians because they have a vested interest in not recognizing recession under their watch and economists because uh, the ones that get hired to do the job are hired by politicians to talk their line. I believe we've been in a recession since 2020 and we haven't come out of it and we're actually digging deeper into it because um, Kiro, I was in Hong Kong in the past month. Uh, to visit family and I haven't been there uh, in it since uh, five years ago. And I can tell you, I was paying Sydney prices in Hong Kong when five years ago, I, will, I went to Hong Kong and I'll be paying 30% less than what I would pay in Sydney. And that's why we used to like going to Hong Kong to, uh, to buy up things and to uh, almost live, enjoy holding like a king. But this time around, totally different story. And furthermore, people in Hong Kong, the average pay in Hong Kong is about 30% lower than in Australia. So we're talking about people in Hong Kong being 30% poorer in the past five years. Now, the, the official financial figures would tell you we're not in a recession because the GDP is still, is still kind of like positive or it may have been negative for one quarter, but it's not two quarters of uh, uh, negative GDP. And in fact, worse still, Janet Yellen redefined what recession is, I believe, last year. 
when you have to change the definition and you also have to change the way you measure official financial figures and economic figures, that tells me you're trying to sweep things under the carpet. Um, I believe 90% of the population knows that we're in a recession because people are not getting pay rises, their bills are up, they've, they have to dig more out of their, uh, their bank account and also uh, their savings to make ends meet. Uh, so I believe that 2024, the politicians will recognize a recession when everyone's living in a depression. And if they recognize a depression, most people are out on their butts. And I certainly hope to be wrong, but uh, I believe most of us are living the reality of recession and we're just waiting for the politicians and economists to come clean. So if we're wise, uh, we should have been making preparations. Uh, and I'm trying and I'm trying my best uh, by um, taking positions in uh, with gold. And also with uh, gold mining companies, and I know my colleagues and my and uh, my friends and family that they're, they're taking precautions in whatever ways they deem possible. Some have gone to crypto, some have gone to stocks, some have taken another job, and some are uh, buying up property where they can or paying down their debt. Whatever means they believe works, uh, but I believe recession. Everyone knows we're living in one, and it could get worse next year. Yeah. Well, that's pretty gloomy. We'll we'll revisit that that prediction maybe in the ne in next year in another podcast. But yeah, you mentioned uh, gold stocks, and yes. I'm really excited to to get your thoughts on gold stocks in general and yeah. uh, for 2024 and beyond. Um, so obviously, you've, met, you've you've talked us through how gold has performed. How have the gold ASX stocks performed? Yep. And uh, let's have a look at this. Uh, so let's have a look at this screenshot I've got of um, the ASX Gold Index. Um, so those who've invested in gold stocks in the past uh, two and a half, three years probably are feeling quite weary. And um, some might even think that um, maybe it's one of the worst investment decisions they've made in their, uh, in their investment career. Now, don't feel bad if... Uh, you are actually maybe 30-40% down on your gold stock portfolio. You are not alone. Um, some investment professionals, uh, fund managers have talked about how uh, these two and a half years have been the most difficult in their uh, career. And it might not look that way when you look at this ASX gold stock index because, hey, at the, since the beginning of 2021, uh, the ASX gold star gold index is hasn't actually moved, but what happened in during this period is that it went on a roller coaster ride. It dropped to forty two forty five in, I believe it was mid October um, last year when it bottomed. But this is for gold producers, and it's and it's weighted towards the better performers. So if you held your Northern Star Evolution Mining. Uh, gold road resources you probably are you're, you're probably you're probably up at the moment and you'd be pretty happy with yourself but if you ventured more into the smaller uh, producers or even the developers at the explorers where they 
they fell as much as uh, 70 to 90 percent, and some explorers are trading at um, 90 percent uh, losses to what they were in mid 2021. You would actually feel that uh, you're you, you you would feel almost as if you're a loser, but uh, mind you, you shouldn't feel that way unless you've sold and uh, crystallized those losses. Uh, I've experienced this in 2013 to 2014 when I cut my teeth into gold stocks and bought as prices came down sharply and are sitting on 70-80% losses on some of my gold producers, let alone gold explorers, which at that point in time I didn't touch uh, because I didn't really understand much of it then. I understand it better now uh, and... I've actually got quite a bit of gold explorers at the moment, which are now heavily. I feel more confident about them next year. I'll explain more uh, about it when Kiro gets to it. But uh, for what's happened this year, Australian gold stocks uh, are up 22% because of uh, the rising price of gold and also the weaker Australian dollar. Whereas US dollar gold has actually gone up only 11%. And that's probably, that probably explains why we haven't experienced uh, a broad recovery with gold stocks because most of the, most of the uh, financial uh, press is talking about US gold stocks. And US gold stocks at the moment, they still haven't entered a bull market uh, this year. Um, and that's why the interest is still on um, other mining stocks rather than gold stocks. But um, should the US gold stocks um, rise another 5 to 10%, I think that is going to send more eyeballs uh, onto gold stocks and that could spur a significant bull run into 2024. Yeah. And you, you mentioned this at the start, and I think uh, maybe I'd, I'd want to, you to elaborate a little bit for, for some of the viewers because there is def a big difference between gold and gold stocks. And you know, yeah. uh, even if gold is rising, it doesn't necessarily mean that all gold stocks will rise because at, at the end of the day, gold stocks are individual businesses and businesses have their own uh, imperatives and issues. Some businesses are better than others. So maybe... Uh, you can maybe talk more on that to, to viewers who may sometimes think, well, gold is hitting historic highs. Why is my gold portfolio of stocks not really doing anything? Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's, a good, that's a good question you asked because uh, I can relate back to my own experience in uh, learning the ropes in buying gold stocks in 2013, 2014. Uh, I asked the same question. Um, in 2014, gold started making recovery but gold stocks made new lows and what gives i uh, looked into the relationship between the price of oil and the cash flows uh, from operations uh, earned by gold producers and realized hey uh, as as companies make a better operating margin bigger uh, then gold stocks are going to recover but what drives it is on the revenue end as gold goes up, they earn more in selling their gold. But on the other end, in the expenses side, they run a lot of machinery and um, the easy wages that they pay to their staff 
is roughly driven by the oil price and also the underlying uh, inflation levels, which is also driven by the oil price. So then I studied the gold to oil ratio and I found that to be a better indicator of uh, the near-term performance of gold producers and if gold producers perform well, it earns, uh, it, it, it attracts more people investing into gold stocks and that's also going to drive up the uh, prices for developers and explorers. Now, my analyst who uh, who's worked with me for two years, he delved deeper into the gold to oil ratio and found that uh, there is a one to two quarter of uh, it, it, it actually can look forward, uh, it, it can actually predict uh, to some level of accuracy the upcoming performance of gold stocks in the next quarter to two quarters. And uh, that's what I focus on a lot more in deciding whether gold stocks are going to have, uh, are, gonna, uh, are looking good or, or otherwise. And this year, the reason why gold has gone up while gold stocks haven't done so well is because the price of oil was rising uh, for, I think at the start of the year it was rising and then it dropped from April to July, then it started rising again till October. So that, that actually caused a lot of gold producers to uh, report higher operating costs and the and I'd like to highlight that the June quarter was especially disappointing. Um, when the price, when many of these gold producers reported cost blowouts, even as the price of oil started falling. But it went the other way for the September quarter, which was interesting because oil was rising from July to October, and I was bracing for a pretty bad September quarter. And these producers actually went against the trend. And now with oil prices falling in the last two months and the gold to oil ratio going up, I'm bracing for a much more positive December quarter and uh, we're gonna find out more next month. And I believe with the global recession coming, I believe the demand for oil could further decrease even though the green agenda is trying to phase out fossil fuels. But I believe that the green agenda itself is heading out the door because of uh, the impracticalities of phasing out fossil fuels and moving simply to hydrogen, which is an emerging technology, or solar and wind, which can't produce baseload electricity. We're going to see uh, oil production resume uh, into the coming years, and I, and I think uh, oil should maintain uh, its current prices rather than spike up significantly. Uh, I, I could be wrong, um, but I believe the future for oil is uh, continues to remain bright, and that's going to spur more oil production, which could be beneficial for uh, gold producers because that would lead to the gold-to-oil ratio uh, maintaining its current levels, which would deliver better profit margins for gold producers. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a, a nice a nice takeaway for 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 viewers there. Uh, I'm guessing not a lot of them have maybe heard of the the importance of oil for gold stocks, hey. and the gold oil ratio is something yeah. maybe um, a good takeaway there. And I guess what you said 
gold miners can't control the price of gold. So what they mm. can control is how Cost. efficient they are. And yep, and obviously maybe the best businesses are the ones in this in in this industry are the ones that can control and lower their costs so yeah. they can make money even if the gold price isn't at historic okay. highs um i actually did have a just a quick question with the gold with the gold to oil ratio do hmm. these companies hedge their oil exposure so um for example if the spot price of oil falls sharply that might not benefit a company if they've already hedged it at a higher price for the next six months say I'm glad you actually asked this. In fact, you read my mind because when you when you first said um, gold producers can't control the price of gold, but they can control the expenses uh, uh, and all that, I was about to say, well, while producers can't um, control the price of gold, they can they can control at least the, to some extent the the price range in which they sell their gold. Now, the issue of hedging where uh, gold producers uh, Enter into an arrangement with um, a uh, an investment bank or a uh, or a hedge fund on delivering gold at a fixed price into the future. This has been a controversial uh, topic because in a in an environment where the price of gold has been rising, several gold producers in Australia, with an exception of a small handful, I believe it's West Gold and Alusha Mining. Um, West African resources and uh, Regis resources uh, and a couple more, most actually have significant hedging arrangements to fix maybe uh, 10 to 30% of their uh, quarterly gold production in a, in a fixed rate, fixed rate, uh, fixed sale arrangement. Um, that has stifled the pro profitability of many of these producers who uh, hedged their hedge their sales. But when the price of gold falls significantly like it did in 2013, 2014, those that hedged actually had an advantage and they were they were the safer bet because um, sometimes gold can fall so quickly that the prevailing price of gold could be below the cost of many of these producers. And I was listening to a podcast on Monday, I believe it was, uh, on Palisades Gold Radio with, I think, uh, a gentleman, first name Jonathan, surname, I, I don't want to butcher his surname, um, but uh, he was talking about how he believes that the next run on uh, gold may come with gold dropping to as low as $1,600 an ounce, which is the average price of uh of production for um, for the producers because he's seen that pattern emerge in the past. Uh, it happened in 2015 before the next run of gold. Gold fell to the marginal costs of uh, the, the producers. And if that happens, I hope it doesn't, uh, if that happens, hedging is actually going to be an advantage. But uh, most gold producers are actually trying to get out their hedges because they expect gold to go up uh, further into 2024. In fact, on Monday, Regis Resources paid $98 million to get out of his hedge of, uh, I believe, it has 63,000 ounces at 1571 Australian dollars an ounce, which 
uh, they, which was a legacy uh, arrangement that they had uh, since 2009 uh, when the company borrowed to build the Jukton operations. And, they, and as part of the loan, they had to hedge uh, future production. Regis Resources tried to delay selling these gold uh, at a lower price to the prevailing price. Um, and by kicking the can down the road, they hit a brick wall. And uh, yeah, that, that was probably one of the reasons why Regis Resources share price didn't recover like uh, Northern Star Evolution Mining did as uh, gold went up. is because they had these hedge, uh, these hedge contracts and uh, the forward contracts. And uh, at such low prices, um, the investors were basically saying they're going to have to fork it out or they're going to have to delay uh, earning what they should earn on their gold production. So we're not going to buy. But now Regis Resources have bit the bullet. Uh, good on them, even though a bit, little bit too late. But um, I still give them credit for finally doing it because that is also a signal for why I believe uh, gold is going to have a very strong year 2024. Regis Resources is paid out of their pocket to get out their arrangements to benefit here, to benefit uh, in next year's gold bull run. So that might be an insider giving you a hint of what's to come for gold. Yeah, I was just about to say uh, the uh, gold miners unhedging is probably a, a bullish sign because it's in their mm. interests. Uh, so if they believe it's it's safe to run. Uh, spot prices then it's obviously suggests they think gold price will continue to remain strong yeah just um, to add the point very quickly yeah. is uh the if you look at the um share prices of the producers that have that are unhedged they're the ones which have actually um made the run earlier in the last uh three months even as gold gold producers have been trading in a tight range yeah and I'm aware of the time. I don't want to yep. keep you for too long. So yep. I think maybe in, in the final segment, maybe we can talk about some of the stocks, maybe Please. both producers and explorers that have been on, on your watch list. And obviously yep. this isn't um, financial advice in any way. This is just the, the stocks that you've been interested in or that you've been following. Yeah. So um, the, the case for why I believe um, gold stocks have a very good year should have a very good year for 2024 is I believe that there is a big valuation gap between the performance in gold in the last three years and uh, gold producers as represented by ASX Gold Index, which is in orange, and even more for gold developers and explorers, uh, which is the blue line, uh, uh, as you can see in a, in a figure. Now, for gold producers, uh, those who don't want as much risk, they might want to go for gold producers. And uh, the companies that I personally um, am paying close attention to include uh, West Gold, uh, Genesis Minerals, uh, and Ramelius Resources. Now, West Gold, uh, reason for West Gold is that uh, they, they have come out, they have actually, uh, they're unhedged now. They have... Uh, turned over a new leaf uh, with their production. Uh, they used to be a quite a marginal uh, producer and they they were spending very big on developing their uh, Big Bell mine, the Great Finkel mine, uh, 
and also uh, Fender. All those are now uh, complete, they're producing and they are going to likely deliver uh, more profitable uh, operations into the coming year. Um, for Genesis Minerals, very interesting story this one. Rayleigh Finlayson took over the company, yeah, I believe, in around uh, September 2021. And, um, and then Genesis Minerals convert, uh, transformed from a $160 million company to $1.8 billion today. So a tenfold increase in the company size in the space of two years. Um, today, they announced that they, they bought uh, the Bruno Lewis deposits uh, that Kid Mining owns. Genesis Minerals uh, is going to consolidate the Leonora region. They bought the Gualian mine from St. Barbara uh, in July. They have expanded um, their properties around the area uh, and uh, by buying basin gold and also now uh, the Bruno Lewis deposit. I believe that there's a very strong future for the company uh, given that they're actually embarking on this strategy to consolidate one area and I believe that um, they could have uh, Perseus mining and evol even evolution mining a run for their money in the next three years. This is my personal opinion only. Uh, it's not financial advice. Um, it's important to do your own research. Um, and I also talked about um, Romelius Resources, I believe. Uh, Romelius Resources, they are also consolidating their area in Mount Magnet. Uh, they bought Musgrave Minerals early this year. They bought Breaker Resources before that. And uh, they've got an undeveloped uh, deposits in uh, Lake Rebecca and um, I believe it was Lake uh, name, name, name just uh, escaped my mind uh, the one which they bought from uh, Breaker Resources that's gonna uh, so Ramelis Resources is uh, embarking on a period of growth that's gonna be quite significant uh, into the three years on the Explorer side uh, much higher risk, uh, this one, and I believe uh, those who venture into this, please uh, make sure that uh, you don't uh, jump head, uh, head first because uh, these companies are very early, uh, they're in the early stages of the mining life cycle. Um, companies that I like include Black Hat Syndicate, they are in the process of uh, restarting the Paulson's mine in um, in the northern, in the Pilbara, Pilbara region, I believe um, they are fully funded for this now, and the market basically seems to have uh, they haven't priced it in, uh, and many investors uh, who jumped in early are feeling the pain, but I believe they will enjoy the significant gains once Olsen's restarts at the Coyote Mine is the next one up on the uh, next next cab off the rank. Uh, one more, uh, I'll probably give out one more uh, Explorer, which I'm pretty uh, positive about, and it's Great Boulder Resources. Great Boulder Resources is in the um, Mika region, so in between uh, 
the Leonora region in Western Australia and the um, Murchison region. Um, so they're in the line of sight for um, nearby producers who might be interested in taking them over. They've got a pretty good deposit in um, site well. Uh, it's they've actually reported and made the resource early this year and then and they confirmed an increase in resources. Pretty high grade for a pretty sh shallow resource. Market cap is currently about forty million dollars, and um, they've recently raised four point five million dollars of capital to um, bring forward their development. So these five companies are ones that my subscribers are, are focusing on. There are many more um, recommendations in my services and there's uh, hopefully plenty more exciting prospects to come. Um, I, I believe that uh, we're close to the bottom or we've already seen the bottom for explorers. So those who are willing to jump in at this time, it could be the best decisions that you make in your investing career. Um, and I look forward to seeing some of you guys uh, join us in my services. Yeah, yeah and just, just for those who are interested in your service, you've got two services, uh, obviously the Australian Gold Report and the Gold Stocks Pro. So mm. if anyone is interested, they can check out those services. But Brian, it was a pleasure having you on. I've learned a great deal. I'm sure others have learned a great deal too. Uh, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I may or may not see you at the, at the company function, but it was great having you on and have a great day. Actually, I'll be there next week and I look forward great. to it. Uh, and uh, Merry Christmas to our viewers and a Blessed New Year as well. Yeah. And if this does become the final episode <laughs> of the year, I wish all the viewers a massive... Well, I wish them well, and I just want to say thanks for all of the support, and it's been great, and uh, on to better things next year with the podcast.